Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Black and Cold, a true crime podcast. If you are a new listener here, my name is Nichelle. I am your host, and each week I will be bringing you different Black and people of color true crime cases, or as I've referred to them before, stories of the overshadowed. So I have been on a little break for five weeks now. And firstly, I just want to say Happy New Year to everyone. Cheers to 2022. As many of you may know, I am in New York and it's been getting a little crazy here with Omicron and COVID, which is not it, y'all. Like I have to say, I was one of the many people to get it and it was not fun. So I hope all of my listeners, wherever you are tuning in from, are remaining safe, cautious, and healthy. But after taking a much-needed hiatus, I am excited to be recording again, and I am happy to continue to share some more episodes with you that deserve to have some light shed on them. Since you guys have last heard my voice, I hope you were all able to catch up on any past episodes that you may have missed. And I'm just going to quickly run down my regular list. Um, Continue to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on whatever platforms you are listening from. I absolutely take case suggestions. So if there's any particular case that you'd like to see me cover, send them my way. That link can be found in the description of this episode. And lastly, you can keep up with us on Instagram at black underscore cold underscore podcast. All right, so let's jump into B and C's very first episode of 2022. And today I will be telling you guys about two cases, both involving young women who exceeded expectations and were on successful paths, but then their lives were brutally cut short. And no one seems to even understand why these two beautiful women were taken from their loved ones in the first place. The first half of this episode comes out of Detroit, Michigan. This is the murder of Tiane Brown. fall of 2013, 33-year-old Tiana Brown is living in Waterford Township with her three daughters. As a single mom of three girls ages 14, 8, and 18 months, you just know that Tiana had her hands full. However, she was driven, and at this time, she was actually in her third year in law school. Tiana was a student at Wayne State University in Detroit on her way to earning her fourth degree. She previously received her bachelor's in biology, she had an MBA, and another master's in biomedical engineering. Growing up in Detroit with a small immediate family of just herself, her brother, and mom, Tiene's mother Cheryl always told her daughter to reach for the sky, and it appeared that's exactly what she did. While attending classes, Tiene worked as a clerk at a law firm, According to the Huffington Post, she was a board member of Developing Kids, which is a nonprofit that works with underprivileged children in the Detroit area, 
and she was president of the Wayne Intellectual Property Student Association. TNA was smart, hardworking, organized, but most importantly, she always put her children first. So when Monday, October 28th came and TNA did not show up to her mother's house to pick up her daughters, her family suspected something was wrong. Earlier that afternoon, TNA dropped her girls off with their grandmother in the neighborhood of West Bloomfield as she had to attend school that evening for a midterm exam. And she intended on picking her children up after class, which she always did, like she pretty much went by the same schedule. But that evening, as hours went by, there was no sign of her. Now, Tiene's oldest daughter tried to call her mom multiple times in a row. She even attempted to reach out to her on Facebook, but she was getting no answer. Tiene always answered her phone for her daughters. So by 2 o'clock a.m. early into the next morning, that's when Nina, the oldest, decided to let her grandmother know that her mom was unreachable. Cheryl knew it was very unlike TNA to not pick the girls up for one, and two, even if something did come up, she knew her daughter would communicate that with her. They were close and they spoke all the time. So she immediately began her own search with the help of her husband. Cheryl stopped by TNA's home first, but she wasn't there. So from that point, they decided to head over to Wayne State University to try and locate her at the school. Cheryl searched all throughout the school's campus, looking on different floors. She searched through the library and even went through different parking lots, looking for any signs of TNA's purple 2008 Chevy Trailblazer. And that car stood out, especially since it had personal license plates, which read TNA on it. It was learned that TNA was last seen on campus at the library at around 8.15 p.m., But after hours of searching throughout the early morning and realizing that there were no signs of her, around 4 o'clock a.m., Cheryl contacted authorities hoping to get some assistance. True Crime Daily reported that Cheryl had to contact four different police departments, letting them all know that Tiene failed to pick up her three girls from her home. And the police initially did not suspect foul play when TNA was reported missing, and they even suggested to her family that she may have just went out with some friends to a bar or to a club, and that she'd eventually show up. But Cheryl knew this was a reach for her 33-year-old daughter, who was timely, she was a devoted mom, nor did she even go to bars or clubs in the first place. Tiene's family, along with students and faculty from Wayne State, began to spread the word on her disappearance. A Facebook alert was sent out. They put up flyers around the school and in the area with the hopes that someone would come back and say that they saw her. But on Wednesday, October 30th, around 11 o'clock in the morning, less than two days after Tiene was reported missing, a horrible discovery was made. A purple SUV was found in a vacant lot in Detroit's east side near the abandoned Packard plant. Inside the vehicle, two homeless men found a woman's lifeless body in the driver's seat where the victim was slumped over towards the dashboard. The two witnesses reached out to law enforcement and when they arrived to the scene, they quickly discovered their victim was TNA Brown. The car at the crime scene held the personal license plate which said her name. Tiene was found shot in the head 
with her seatbelt still intact and she had no shoes on. When Cheryl and her family received word, they were completely devastated to say the least and stumped. They were not understanding who would have actually done this to her. Once the news began to spread throughout Wayne State University, many of the evening classes were canceled that day, and people actually came together and decided to hold a vigil at a mall next to the campus honoring Tiene. Because of the sudden loss and how brutally her life was taken, counselors were also made available to any of the students who wanted to talk. As the disappearance investigation now became a homicide, almost immediately authorities grew suspect of the two men who discovered her. And this is because they were found with TNA's cell phone in their possession. One was charged with tampering with evidence, larceny, and concealing stolen property, while the other was charged with receiving and concealing stolen property. And although this was the case that they had this phone, both men denied any involvement in TNA's death, and they were questioned by investigators, but they were eventually ruled out as suspects in her homicide. As days passed, law enforcement learned that someone attempted to use TNA's card at a gas station convenience store. And after looking at the store's surveillance, police then released images of these two men that were on the tape, but that lead did not pan out. As the investigation still had no suspects, a $2,500 reward was put up by Crime Stoppers of Michigan for anyone with information that can lead to an arrest regarding TNA's death. The police began to learn more about TNA's life and the people involved in it, and of course, they looked into anyone she was romantically involved with. They learned that TNA was involved in a custody battle with her youngest daughter's father, but after further investigation, they realized that was not tied to her homicide. She also had a previous issue with an ex-boyfriend who she had to take to court over a car ownership problem. And to be clear, I am not sure if this guy is the same person, but from what I've researched, him and the situation appears to not be attached to her murder. Authorities discovered that TNA had been married before and that she had two ex-husbands. And to make this more damning, they found out that she had two orders of protection taken out against one of them in the past, and she even attempted to get a third. During one of these incidents, Tiene alleged that her ex-husband abused her and threatened to kill her. So besides the fact that they were previously married, this put him on law enforcement's interrogation list. And her ex-husband actually took a lie detector test with the police. And his results came back inconclusive, according to True Crime Daily. But with time, authorities ruled him out as a suspect or persons of interest anyway. And Cheryl never suspected that he was involved in her daughter's death either. Although they may have had issues in the past, Tiene and her ex-husband had a close relationship leading up to her death. They married each other when they were young, and according to him, they remained friends, even though the marriage did not work. Tiene was a smart, dedicated young woman who was also an advocate for her community. She spoke out against the violence in her home city of Detroit, and she wanted to make a difference with the life experiences that she faced. With her graduation approaching, she was also looking forward to a debate trip that she told her mom about before her life was taken. 
WXYZ Detroit reported that the last activity on Tiene's phone was an outgoing call made at 10 o'clock p.m. the evening of the 28th, the day that she disappeared. But investigators have not released who that call was made to. A year after her murder in October of 2014, the original $2,500 reward with the help of Tiene's family was increased to $10,000 for anyone with information which can lead to an arrest. Because of the circumstances with her seatbelt still being on, her shoes being off, along with the other information the police have obtained, investigators feel Tiene was probably with someone she was comfortable with and trusted around the time of her death. They have mentioned that they developed people who are suspects, but that is sadly where this case seems to stand. Cheryl spoke out in interviews and added that she thinks jealousy may have been a factor in her death as well. Per local station interviews with Detroit's police, although leads have slowed down over the years, they were still coming in as of 2017. And that was from a news article that I found. And that was almost five years ago, leaving this case unsolved for nine years. Since Tiene's death, her oldest daughter, Nina, has continued to shine in her education, just as her mother. With the help of her school teachers and the people around her, she maintained a high GPA, graduated from high school with honors, and continued her journey on to college. Nina, her sisters, Cheryl, and the rest of Tiene's loved ones just want her case to be solved. And Cheryl is hoping that while she is alive, she can see her daughter's killer be brought to justice. Anyone with information about the death of Tiene Brown is urged to reach out to Crime Stoppers of Michigan at 1-800-773-2587. Hey listeners, let me tell you all about the Glam Magic Brush and Sponge Cleaner. Y'all, if you have been looking for a really good makeup brush cleaner, this is definitely one to try. I struggle so much when it comes to cleaning my brushes, especially my sponges thoroughly, but this product is so easy to use and my stuff just looked like it was just brand new again. On top of that, it smells good. You can find more information about the Glam Magic Brush and Sponge Cleaner, its ingredients, plus their other makeup products on www.glamsessionsnyc.com. The next case I will be discussing is out of Baltimore, Maryland, when an entrepreneur, also a new mom, was murdered inside her own place of business. Destiny Harrison was born on April 16, 1998, and starting from a young age, she showed signs of being ambitious and being an overall go-getter. She attended Mergenthaler Vocational Technical High School as a teenager, and this is where she was able to concentrate on one of her first loves, which was doing hair. Destiny graduated from there eventually, and she received her license in cosmetology. Post-graduation, and even while she was attending high school, Destiny worked multiple jobs to make ends meet. She worked at Popeye's and Walmart, all while still doing hair on the side for the people who knew how talented she was. Destiny went on to attend HBCU Bowie State University in her hometown of Baltimore, and there she prepped herself for her future accomplishments to come. 
She majored in business administration with a minor in fashion design. While she was attending college, not only did she work in retail at Victoria's Secret, but she began to meet new people. And this is where she really began to perfect her craft and started to build a name for herself. She started to promote bougie buoy styles on campus, where she did hair for many of her peers. And her talents would eventually be seen by even more people as she began to showcase them on social media on platforms such as Instagram. Although Destiny was versatile with her cosmetology skills and knew how to do things like makeup, she knew she really wanted to break into the hair world, and that's what she wanted to be known for. In September of 2016, she created an Instagram post on her business's I Am Slayed by Des page that read, quote, I want to be so well known in this hair industry that I will no longer have to introduce myself, end quote. And after doing two years in college, this is when Destiny really ran after this dream. Destiny began running her business, which was known as Glitz and Glam Studio for some time, until she was eventually able to open up her own salon called The Hair Trap at only 19 years old. And just as an outsider's perspective, from looking at her business's Instagram, after the hair trap was launched, you can really see this is where her brand took off. She posted reviews that many of her clients left, and they seemed to overall love the work that Destiny did on their hair. Like, there just seemed to be a good rapport between her and her clients overall. As her salon was on the rise, Destiny also had a website named Madam D Collection where she sold hair bundles, lashes, bonnets, along with other miscellaneous beauty products. She had a very helpful support system, her mother Raquel being one of them, who contributed by guiding Destiny and helping her grow. She also had connections and began to work with some celebrities like Cliff V. Mir, who was huge in the hair industry, and she even did hair for the Claremont twins at one point. All before she even reached the legal age in this country, Destiny networked and owned multiple businesses, which is not something many people can successfully do at such a young age, or at all, period. In March of 2018, Destiny announced that she was pregnant and expecting a baby girl with her boyfriend, which she was super excited for. And not too long after, she would announce the opening of Madame D Beauty Bar on North Milton Avenue in Baltimore. And Madame D Beauty Bar was yet another salon. And this would concentrate on giving a platform to lash techs, makeup artists, while still promoting other hairstylists. The salon would also sell bundles plus other hair products in person. As Destiny was still creating a name for herself, you can see that she was still looking out for other young local people in the cosmetology industry. Raquel says her daughter was always willing to help people, and this showed in her own personal work as not only was she helping provide opportunities for others, but throughout her pregnancy, Destiny remained dedicated to her clientele, and she continued to work up until she went into labor. In September 2018, she gave birth to a baby girl named Dream, and the moment Destiny had her, she loved being a mother. Her daughter was her pride and joy. 
Destiny seemed to have so much going for herself that I have to stress at such a young age. She built her own platform from the bottom up, and you can see all the boxes that she was just checking. As her businesses continued to expand for months, Destiny was able to purchase herself nice things like luxury cars while still building a large, solid clientele. But you guys already know, for every 100 people that are happy and supportive of someone's accomplishments and growth, there's always going to be at least one person that wants to hate or rain on your parade. On December 9th, 2019, a year after launching her newest salon, Destiny caught two intruders in the back of Madame D Beauty Bar stealing merchandise. In a written statement WMAR2 obtained, Destiny said the two intruders were actually a couple, a male and female, and she said the suspects assaulted her as one held her down while the other stomped on her after she confronted them for taking her products. The intruders then fled with about $3,000 worth of hair bundles that Destiny sold at her salon as a part of her collection. After the incident, Destiny immediately took action the very next day and went to the police, and she filed an order of protection against one of the assailants who was ordered to stay away from her. In the same statement she wrote, Destiny felt she was robbed because the suspects were facing eviction for not paying rent. The couple was charged with theft, burglary, and assault as a result. Destiny also told a court commissioner that she knew one of the intruders had a violent background and she was scared for herself as well as for the safety of the people in her salon. But all in all, she still had businesses to run and she continued to work even with this traumatic incident that happened to her. And sadly, that would all come to an end just 12 days after she pressed charges and filed a report against the people that robbed and assaulted her. On Saturday, December 21st, 2019, just around 6 o'clock p.m., Baltimore police were called to the 200 block of North Milton Avenue to Madame D Beauty Bar, and this is where they responded to reports of a shooting. When officers arrived to the scene, they discovered 21-year-old Destiny Harrison shot in the head. She was rushed to the hospital, but later pronounced dead. According to reports, when the shots rang out, the customers inside the salon all scattered, leaving Destiny there, who was struck by a bullet, as well as her one-year-old baby girl, who was at work with her that day, there alone. WBAL News 11 reported that the Monday following the shooting, Destiny's mother Raquel had to get her granddaughter from child services only to then retrieve her daughter's body on Tuesday to begin funeral arrangements. Raquel then created a GoFundMe account to help cover Destiny's funeral expenses. And very quickly after she made this, her and her family were able to raise well over $16,000 at that time. The news of Destiny's story began to circulate around and it quickly touched the hearts of others, even reaching boxing celebrity Javante Davis, who is a native of Baltimore. Davis would eventually help the Harrison family cover Destiny's funeral expenses, which he expressed in a post on Instagram just a few days after she was murdered. 
Shortly after her death, a $4,000 reward was announced by authorities for information leading to an arrest in regards to the case of Destiny Harrison. No arrests have been made as of today. To honor Destiny's legacy, a scholarship fund was created. The Destiny Dream Scholarship will help fund students in the cosmetology program at Mergenthaler Vocational Technical High School, the same place she attended and received her license. The scholarship offered $1,000 to students, helping them cover expenses like uniforms, board certifications, and beauty kits. Also, as of today, the GoFundMe page created by Destiny's mother is still up and has received over $100,000 worth of donations, which will be contributed to the successful and stable future for Destiny's daughter, Dream. Her death has sparked so much conversations directed to law enforcement as well as people in our own communities. Many feel that Destiny should have received some type of surveillance by authorities after she stated that she was fearing for her life. They suspect that her death was an act of retaliation for going to authorities after she was robbed and assaulted. But in actuality, Destiny did everything she was pretty much supposed to do. She went to the police, filed charges, and gave them information on what happened to her. It would be such a tragedy if she died as a result of trying to protect her place of work that she built on her own from the ground up. What Destiny accomplished at just 21 years old had to be a journey, and she did that, but she deserved better. However you look at it, someone took the life of a little girl's mother. Destiny was someone's daughter. And like I continue to say, somebody out there saw or heard something And a lot of the times, if witnesses do not come forward, some of these cases cannot be solved. And within the Black communities, on many occasions, this can typically be the case, where no one talks. It is so sad that you can literally see Destiny's journey somewhat through her business's Instagram. I know social media doesn't have everything going on in a person's life, But for me to literally be able to see how her business started so small and then I saw how it started to boom is just crazy. Then for all of it to come to an abrupt end because of what? Senselessness is really sad. Reading through articles after Destiny's death, I have noticed that around the same time frame, shootings in Baltimore were just at an all-time high in general. 2019 had one of the highest homicide rates in recent years in that city, totaling 348 altogether. Raquel gave an update on her daughter's GoFundMe page in June of 2020, stating that the FBI has picked up Destiny's case. Her family and law enforcement are still asking for anyone with information to come forward that can help them solve the investigation. If you have any information on the death of Destiny Harrison, you can reach out to the Baltimore PD at 410-396-2100 or 866-7-LOCKUP. 